Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. KJ. And Ragnar. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these four rapid-fire trivia questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we'll follow it up with a theme discussion, this week being fantasy and folklore with the history and in history. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to theaters in 2006, we would have had to choose between Tim Allen's The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, Daniel Craig's Casino Royale, George Miller's Happy Feet, and today's movie, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth takes place after the war between the, the Loyalists, the Republicans, and the, uh, the troops of Franco. And it follows a young girl whose mother has just been married to a captain in the, uh, in the Falange. And this young girl, Ophelia, is thought to be a princess Moana, a kind of uh, a princess from this fantasy world. Um, when she comes to the estate that her mother's new husband, this Captain Vidal, runs, she discovers a fawn who leads her through a series of fantastical challenges in order to see if she is, in fact, Princess Moana resurrected. Tom, is it literally Moana? Did I use that name? I thought like, so. What's, what's, okay. Moana it's, is the Disney movie. That's why I was getting confused here. It's, it's, it's the same first. Yeah. yeah. Same is it, it is the same, same, name? same? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I just didn't catch that in the film. Yeah. You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> it's time for question one. What year does the movie take place in? Locked in. It's kind of a cheat because I was reading something earlier. Locked in. About Moana? Well, yes, but it also had information about Franco. Well, Franco was a long stretch. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it had very specific <laughs> information. I'm already locked in. Locked in with a guess, and I'm very nervous, audience, what you'll think of me after I give my answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll start with Ragnar. What do you have? I'm guessing KJ is going to be like uh, 5 BC. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously 10, come on. <laughs> uh, 1944. All right, Nick, you're up next. Yes. A little while ago, I probably said early 40s, but it is 1944. And KJ, what do you have? I put 1940 even. Okay, that's not a bad guess. Um, but it is 1944. <laughs> it's time for question two. After entering the door to the feast chamber, how long does Ophelia have to complete the second challenge? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. All right. KJ, what do you have? Until the sand runs out. Okay. Uh, Ragnar, what do you have? Yeah, it was the same thing. Just till the last grain of sand goes through the hourglass. And Nick, what do you have? I also had the last grain of sand going through the hourglass. 
Okay, very good. It is the last grain of sand going through the hourglass. Okay, I thought you were going to say you're all wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. That's correct. I yeah. thought it was a tough measurement because she's clearly down the corridor in a, another room. She can't see the grains of sand. So, and she's so. taking her time. I, I would turned I, out to I, not be come true. Come on, let's go, girl. That yeah. was a very frustrating scene. Just don't <laughs> eat the food. There's one thing you can't do. Don't eat the food. Yeah, it's a tradition of folktales, right? There's an interdiction and you violate the interdiction. It's in every folktale. But they didn't even make it sound like she got enchanted. She just made a decision, right? I, I thought mm -hmm. they were going to try to explain it a little bit. Well, I think like living in rural 1944 Franco Spain, you don't run across a lot of delicious grapes. I think she was yeah. starstruck by him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the Adam and Eve story again and again, right? All so folk tales. One thing you don't do. Yeah. Don't eat the food. Your life depends on it. <laughs> it has to happen. I mean, as as a fairy tale, it, it had to happen. It has to happen. Yeah, it's kind of the, uh, it's the structure of it. Exactly. It's time for question three. Why did General Vidal smash his watch? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. Okay. KJ, what do you have? Uh, um, because he thought he was going to die and he wanted to know, or he thought he was going to die and he wanted his son to know the exact time that he died. Okay. Nick, what do you have? I'm going to elaborate on that. His father did this in the battlefield before, so he wanted to make sure that his son also knew exact time of death for him. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that wasn't clear. <laughs> yes, pretty clear. Ragnar, what do you have? Mm. I wonder if Nick, in a way, disqualified himself. But um, he did it to, uh, yeah, to mark the time of his death and to teach his son uh, this is the best way to die. How did I disqualify myself? Yeah, I, I didn't catch it. How did Nick disqualify so himself? Nick no, no, no. Saying... First say the points and then tell me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going everybody. Unless you're disqualified. Yeah. Uh, that's why case? you get to lock I'm, it in first. Can I plead my case here? So, yeah, you no, because that's to win like this actively thing. going against I'm trying to win this thing. <laughs> All right. Tom, no, Nick no, said, Tom. <laughs> he said and that no, 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 he did right, it because no. his father also did it. He, But he's wrong about that. He got the two confused. The son never smashed the clock, the, 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 the pocket watch. It was already smashed. So he's thinking about a completely different character. The person that actually smashed the watch, we never see on screen. It's his father, mm -hmm. not the son. Yeah, I, no, I, no, I, I think that's I, a good point, but I'm going to Nick. I no, but I, don't, I think you misunderstood points. what I'm saying. They told a uh, story. Read, read the story. Read it back, KJ. Read it back. Yeah. I, 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 no, they I, told a story about I, his father. Yeah. The general's father was like this brave guy. Oh, and then you smash his clock. Then you see other pictures of him fixing his father's clock. Right. And then he's going to smash it at the end for his son. So yeah. I don't know I've, if. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't smash it, nor does he attempt to smash the watch at the end. He just. Oh really? It. Well, then wait. The, the question then is the issue here, not the answers. No. Mm -hmm. The question is why did General Vidal smash yeah. his watch? That's the general father. Is the, the father? The son is a captain. He's not the a father. General. Is a general. Check me. Whoa! whoa. I, I'm going to give. Somehow we all got the points. Somehow we all got the points. Now I'm kind of confused. <laughs> all right, so we got Vidal. Yep. Vidal. Mm -hmm. General Vidal. And Captain is Vidal. Well, all right, the and father. then we'll say Vidal Sr. Okay, Vidal Sr. Is did the Vidal Sr. Smash, smash his watch? Yes. yes. And then did Vidal smash his watch? No. No. 
Oh. Then my well, answer is wrong. Well, then well, we all locked into what did you? There. I thought you at the end of the, the movie, movie, the guy we were following, Vidal, smashed his watch so his son would know his time of death. Okay, that's, but how did, that's but the how correct did you... answer. You just you <laughs> got just the Vidal's wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, since you, you never simplify, <laughs> luckily which it wasn't Vidal. We talking about when do you? So when do we you all see... locked into the answer. There. <laughs> yeah. When do you see the younger, the the junior, smashing the watch? Well, that's why I was a little confused. I was like, I don't remember seeing <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. But if sucks, Tom's asking the question, what's going on? <laughs> KJ well, was like, I'm I don't speak Spanish, but I'm going to watch him in Spanish just to give it a shot. Got points there. Let's just put it that way. Let's just say Nick gets half points. No, let's think we all get full points or nobody gets points. <laughs> there we go. Okay, question number four. Wait, wait, Tom, what are the points? points. The points right now are Ragnar and Nick both have six. KJ has five. It's time for question four. According to the fawn, in how many days will the moon be full? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in with a guess. All right, KJ, what do you have as your guess? Three, since we're doing fairy tale themes, and three comes up a lot in fairy tales. Three. All right, Ragnar, what do you have? I also have three. I just don't remember if he says it at the beginning or after a day, making it four, but I'm going to lock in with three. Okay, and Nick, what do you have? Dos. Two, okay. Um, And that means the episode goes to Ragnar. Yeah. Okay. Where does it say three? Because there's one scene where he specifically says there's two days left, and you're yeah, ruining it. That was it. after after one day. Well, yeah, the fawn also but says the have... question was. He says three. how many days does did the, the fawn... fawn say? And the fawn, did the says fawn ever say in any dialogue yeah. three days? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, he says three. Well, then you get the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do know there was a scene where he said Go... you got two days and you're ruining it. Are we mm-hmm. at least? Well, he says the in in this the scene. Of how many days? In how many days does the fawn say the moon will be full? Yeah, three. Is there another scene where he says it's two? I'll, I, I, we could go. To That's work. what I'm thinking. When when she eats the grapes and screws up, he, she's he's like, "That's it. You screwed up. We only got two days." I I, I could be wrong. I would love to be mm-hmm. fact checked on you, but that's the only time I thought he said something. Now I just want to know. <laughs> I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I just want to mm-hmm. know. Ah, uh, we could fact check it, or we could go. We could have another bonus question. We could just, if you want. No, 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 no. He's got it. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not gonna like the bonus question anyway. So. <laughs> you want to just give it to us for fun? Yeah, yeah I want to hear it. So here's the bonus. How many minutes late is Carmen and Ophelia? Locked in. Late for what? <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. In the beginning so of the movie. Here. To arrive mm-hmm. at the cottage. At the farm, or yeah. So, Actually, this bonus will will ease my guilt if uh, the fawn actually said. No, this is just for fun. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Locked in. What do you have, KJ? Just go for it. 40 mm-hmm. minutes? What do you have, Nick? A day late. What do you have, Ragnar? 15 minutes. Yeah, it's 15 minutes. Oh, but how would he know? He's looking at the watch thinking, I guess it's 15 minutes. <laughs> no, he fixed he it. Says. The watch was fixed. Mm-hmm. Was the watch it? was fixed. Yeah, at that point, did you watch the movie? Yeah, he fixes <laughs> it, but that's after they get there. Yeah, no, he he's constant. That's Why? maintenance. It's winding oh, the clock. It's oh, maintenance to keep it, it clean. Up. Got it. Have you ever okay. owned a watch? Not like that. I guarantee you, he's not owned a watch. You have to wind. I guarantee you. <laughs> no. I have a watch. You have to charge. Apple doesn't make uh, one of those. Kids yeah. these days. Yeah. All right. So. 
<laughs> please let's go to break. Let's please go to break. <laughs> <laughs> Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even <laughs> if I did print, I, where is it going to print to? 1982? I, I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible. Oh, we died. <laughs> 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 all right the troll the troll saw us and killed us so i think we have to say the answer to the riddle then the answer is dark say dark i think talk to what Golem. Gollum. say Gollum dark you talk to Gollum. thorin says hurry up and we died and we died so we went northeast last time so let's go southwest you go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, wow. I need it here. That's wait, wait, wait. perfect. Oh, That's wow. perfect. Limited Lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. Congratulations to our winner of the week, which is Ragnar. Now we'll be diving into our topic of the week, fantasy and folklore with a history and in history. So, so Tom, you brought this topic to us, fantasy and folklore with a history and in a history. You want to just introduce it for us? Sure. So this is inspired, this topic was inspired by um, uh, Vladimir Propp's book, Morphology of the Folktale. For which... the audience at home, Tom has held up the book, Morphology in Folktale. Okay. The Morphology of the Folktale, <laughs> which is a study uh, from 1929 of folktales. And their props argument is that they structurally are the same, basically over and over again. And these structures we could see in this. What I find interesting about, about this, about the, the incorporation of these kind of structural elements into this movie is that very often a folk tale or a fairy tale, and a fairy tale would be kind of a, a subcategory of a folk tale, they take place in a different world. Um, it could be a, a truly different world, like we see in Lord of the Rings, or it could be a world where you're bridged to from the real world. Think of the Chronicles of Narnia or Peter Pan or something like that. What I found interesting with this is is that, uh, and why all my questions were around time and, and the passage of time and what have you, and the specificity of the passage of time, is that this kind of folktale is inside of historical moments and a history itself. It's inside of this kind of last stand of the loyalist against, against the phalange. Um, it has a specific year in which it starts. And the opening, the, the prelude or the prologue to the movie juxtaposes the history of Moana, the princess, 
with the history of the rebels fighting in the hills in Spain. Um, and that's why I brought this forward. That's this idea of kind of these, these dual histories, this folktale history, which is sort of repetitious and in a non-space on top of or within an actual historical event that's unfolding. So can we just go through some of the parallels then? I tried to- We interrupt was... this podcast for some breaking news. It mm -hmm. does appear that the fawn said the moon will be full in three days. Back to you, Tom. Uh, okay. So Ragnar wins in the last question. <laughs> Audience, I'm glad we cleared that up. Mm -hmm. Well, So Tom, I when I was watching this movie, I and you had brought up the topic, I really wanted to find parallels between what Ophelia was doing and what was happening in history. Mm -hmm. And here's the best I came up with, right? So the first task was, hey, Ophelia, go get a key. And then Mercedes' boyfriend gets a key. And then, okay, Ophelia, go use the key to get a weapon. Mercedes' boyfriend uses a key to get the weapons. Mm -hmm. And then the third task I couldn't. Is that is that what we're talking about? That I, direct? I don't think they're I don't think necessarily they're directly parallels in the sense of each task has a similar task going on in the real world. Um, what I think is uh, where I think I don't know exactly how the fairy tale helps us explain history. And I think that's what's interesting about it is that I don't really have a quick answer to it other than it's a, a little girl who's dealing with a, a kind of monstrous circumstance. The fairy tale is escapism, right? That's her way of coping with the world around her. Am I off base here? That sounds good to me. I mean, I would say the the one thing is that her her escapes are often very horrifying <laughs> right yeah, and and there's no parallels like in wizard of oz each of the characters in kansas show up in oz right so usually if you're doing the escapism thing you have characters that oh she's either afraid or whatever of um videl so then there would be a videl in the fantasy world that she's dealing with and she should overcome and succeed there that helps her then in the real world when she faces videl but I don't think this movie did this. But from a different perspective, she is weak and, dare I say, feels useless in the real world, where here she's a hidden princess that has to go through these tasks to get back to her kingdom. So even though the, the creatures she meets along the way are gruesome or challenging or just literally deadly, it's still better than the death and all of the things going on around her in this mill in the forest during this, I guess it's a revolution, right? Like that's what it is. Yeah, it, it is. It's sort of the tail end of the rev the revolution or, but you know, whatever effort they have left, but um, her horrifying experiences are better than her real world experiences. That's kind of yeah, what I'm getting at. I, I think that's a good point. Cause one gives you, one has agency and one doesn't. So even if it's horrifying, you can do something in that world. Unlike with Vidal where you she just has no power whatsoever. I think KJ, you might be putting a like a, a barrier between the two worlds when maybe for her there isn't a barrier. There is no Vidal or Captain Enemy because he is in her world. The whole thing, the whole experience is her fantasy. So the evil captain in the real world is her evil captain. 
that's why there is no, you know, counterpart, so to speak, in the other world. The whole thing is, you know, think of it, you, you have to really put yourself as a nine-year-old. I mean, you have daughters, I've daughters. We know how they, it's just one, it's just one world for, for her. Um, she doesn't even know she's making it up. She doesn't even know she's escaping uh, because her, her stress level is through the roof that she's just kind of partially gone, you know. And Ragnar, I love that you brought up barriers or, or boundaries. Audience, you know I talk about this every time I get a chance, but I love boundaries in fantasy uh, stories like in Harry Potter, right? Platform nine and three quarters. Uh, in The Hobbit, kind of the edge of the Shire. Um, we even talked about it in Home Alone a little bit. But here, there are a lot of distinct boundaries, right? There's the labyrinth over there and the farmhouse over here. She has to use chalk to draw a door to get to Fantasyland. She has to go into that tree to to face the toad. But that's very interesting, Ragnar, that you're saying that, sure, those um, boundaries and barriers are, are obvious and we can see them. But to her, it's one continuous world that she's dealing with. The only way she gets to, well, presumably gets there, which is extremely sad at the ending, to the reward of the other universe is upon her demise, which is, again, very, very sad. That's the only time we actually see her transported out of our world, if you want to call it that, to a true fantasy realm, briefly, <laughs> or happily ever after, depending on how you want to interpret it. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's also, if you look at the design of fairy tales, as Prop puts forward, um, a lot of the plot points in a fairy tale also include in this movie the, the quote-unquote real world, right? So, um, you know, like the villain is punished. Um, and then at the end, it ends with the hero either marrying or ascending the throne. So we see Ophelia now as Moana ascending the throne but the villain being punished is Vidal right it's not one of these monsters um, and so the and this is a punishment that she is not witnessing right this is a punishment we're witnessing she's she's dead already or about to die and so the the plot points that are necessary to make a folktale a folktale or, fo or folklore a folklore um, include the real world in it Right, they include the kind of usurpation by a a villain. You know that doesn't happen in the fantasy world. That happens in the, the real world, and so it's almost as if the structure of this kind of fantasy is so vital not only to Ophelia but to any kind of storyteller in making even truth, right? Even detailing historical occurrences that it almost all becomes folklore because only then can it become understood. That's what I thought you were going for with the topic because what these events, you know, the, like you were saying, the tail end of this revolution against Franco, uh, Franco uh, in the forties, by this point, when remembered and when looked upon, it's almost like another fairy tale, but history has a way of becoming a story a folk tale, a fairy tale. So that's why they picked kind of this romanticized period um, to create this folk tale, this fairy tale, to put this girl in there and have her have a fairy tale within a folk tale within history. It's a, that's why I love this movie so 
rich and layered uh, with just great stories on top of each other. That's what really draws me to this movie. Yeah, and I, I think your your conversation about there not being barriers, right, is is true in terms of the plot, and it's true in terms of the the kind of structure of the plot that we recognize that the moves folktales make are being made in the real world, right? This so like you're saying, it's a it is a romanticized version sure. of this rebellion, which fails. You know, we know from yeah. history, of course. It fails. Yeah. I mean, even the, the the doctor stand, heroic stand, the 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 woman being saved at the end. You know, when she's about to be descended upon by the soldiers at the last moment, her friends uh, save her. You know, these are folktale moments. These are fairy tale moments in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's it is less fantastical than you know Ophelia becoming Moana, but it's. Um, it's no less it's no less a what would you call that a a a corrective a a lightning of something that actually is really dark right Mm -hmm. um in both cases we end on a kind of fantasy moment a little girl's killed no she's a princess um the rebels win you know both of these things are um both of these things are much brighter than what actually did happen Absolutely. And that's a trend that's happening. Well, one director, I mean, if you think about Quentin Tarantino, right? If you think about his most recent movies, this is exactly what he's doing that Guillermo del Toro was doing 20 years ago or almost 20 years ago. Um, It's finding a little ray of hope in the past and brightening it up and making the past into a folklore, even if you have to, you know, change the facts a little bit. Well, I'd like to once again congratulate our own Princess Moana. Ragnar, congratulations. <laughs> it's a dream come true. <laughs> Aren't you glad welcome. you won this one? It's, my, it's the best win yet. Mm-hmm. You can rate and review this show anywhere podcasts are available. For those viewing in YouTube land, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the Talking Studios channel for all our exciting content, and follow us on Twitter at Talking Studios. Check out other shows by Talking Studios, including Keep Making Movies, where we explore micro-budget films, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games, and Get the Point, where we slowly reveal a movie poster and try to guess which movie poster it is. Got a question for us? Call the Talking Studios hotline at 201-467-8679 and leave a message. It may be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Talking Pictures Trivia wherever fine podcasts are found. Join us next time when we discuss a fantasy movie from the 2010s, Warcraft from 2016. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing Warcraft from 2016. Tom, how was your watch? Oh, boy. I forgot this movie existed. And I've never played Warcraft, so I went in completely blind. Never? Monday. I've, I don't think I've ever played Warcraft. Like Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness? No? I don't, think, I don't think I've ever played that game. I think I've seen you guys play it. 
And I thought, well, this just isn't for me. And I, I'm positive I've never played it because I've never purchased it. And I've had a few games that I've played. I'm not a big gamer, but I, I've had a few games I've played. I've never played Warcraft. But I watched this movie two days ago after I remembered it existed and we we're doing it for the podcast on my computer. Boy, was this a movie. This, <laughs> this, it's really, really certainly is a movie. Um, it has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end. It has actors. Does it? Though? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. I, I honestly, guys, I didn't do the research on the source material, so I'm not sure how it, how well it honors the source material. I think though, that after watching this movie, I appreciated more someone like Peter Jackson, who's able to take a really big myth structure filled with different creatures and settings and special effects and whatnot and crafted in a way that is unbelievably enjoyable and entertaining and you forget how difficult that is until you see david bowie's child's warcraft film pat how was your first watch uh so i was a uh i'm quite the opposite i did play warcraft and i played all the warcrafts i played warcraft one two three and then eventually got sucked into world of warcraft so I was very excited for the movie, uh, as was much of the community when it came out. Um, I didn't watch it in theaters because it did get such a uh, terrible review when it was released. So I did wait to watch it from home. Um, it wasn't the worst movie I've ever watched, but definitely one that I have not revisited. Um, and I uh, was, was largely disappointed by it. I um, was kind of hoping a little more, but I do feel like I have that uh, attachment to things when it's a, a source material that I know quite a bit about. It feels a little off when something is matching your waiting for that specific scene or that specific moment and then they change it or it's different or whatever the case is. Uh, so yeah, it was a, uh, it was an experience to say the least. What did you think about it, KJ, as a uh, a StarCraft fan? Yeah, StarCraft. I love StarCraft. Um, but my introduction to Warcraft was Warcraft 2, the predecessor to StarCraft back in the day. Nick and I played with our friend Doug, who's been on the show a bunch, founder of the show. Um, and then Warcraft 3 came out. I played that quite a bit. And I remember the cinematic trailer for Warcraft 3. There's this crow on a field that turns into a battlefield with the orcs and the knights. And I thought, wow these guys should make a movie. And I was wrong. I could not keep my eyes open the first time I watched this movie. I watched it recently with my daughter. I could not keep my eyes open the second time I tried to watch this movie. I asked my daughter, hey, what'd you think? She goes, uh, I couldn't really follow the plot. I don't think anybody can follow the plot. Audience, good luck if you try to watch this movie. How about you, Nick? What'd you think? So I played a lot of Blizzard Entertainment games, and I will say... Warcraft 2 Tides of Darkness blew my mind when I was younger. It was a crazy game. I couldn't believe that I could dial through my phone to call KJ's computer and we could play a game against each other. It was mind-blowing. Unless one of our folks decided to pick up the phone and then we'd yell, I'm on the computer, <laughs> get off the phone, and it would disconnect the game and we'd have to start over. So... That may be of a, a bygone error, but I, I loved Warcraft. I did play Warcraft 3, was not good at it, still 
gave it a shot and I played WoW, a world, uh, so World of Warcraft vanilla. So when it first came out, I played and I had to get away from it because it would just consume one's life. Uh, if I had any close friends who also were in at that time, I'd probably still be playing it over a decade later. So it, it, it was interesting. Now, I was really looking forward to this movie. It got delayed a ton of times. I wonder why. <laughs> um, some of it was that the visual effects weren't up to par when it first was like announced. And I think they actually did okay with that for the time. But just like KJ said, there is a plot problem in this film. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to create a franchise without realizing if you created a good enough movie to continue the franchise. So we'll get a little bit more into that later, as well as how it did domestically versus global markets, which is quite fascinating. So looking forward to that conversation next week. Wow. Talking Studios. 